Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Listen! Hello and welcome to episode 547 of Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo podcast. This week we're talking about two reviews from two pretty big games, Persona 5 Strikers and of course Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. But there's also some really cool new Nintendo stuff out there that uh, you can get. Maybe. Probably not. We'll tell you about that soon. But I am your host, Casey DeFridis, and this week I am joined by Tom Marks. Hello. Brendan Graber. It's me. And Rebecca Valentine. Oh, hi. She's new. She yeah. just started IGN a few weeks ago. Okay. Really quick. Rebecca, what is your role at IGN now? Uh, I'm, their, I'm their newest news reporter. So here I am writing the news. Uh, that is my job. Um, I, I came from, uh, I was at gamesindustry.biz before, so I have a little bit of a business bent, um, if you are, I don't know, aware of that. Uh, so I I don't know, I tend to, to break down sort of how, how the games that we love get made, but I also really like Nintendo games, and I'm really excited to get the chance to spend a little more time and energy talking about the stuff that I'm playing. Awesome. I am really happy to have you on and super excited to have you on when we have more number stuff to talk about. <laughs> but this week, we're going to start off by talking about Persona 5 Strikers, which Tom reviewed, and he's yeah. a very big Persona fan. Well, I'm a very big Persona 5, Five fan. fan. I, Sorry for not I, specifying. No, 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 it's fair. It's just like I'm, you know, I uh uh I I was introduced to the series with 5. I'm not like like some Persona fans like Andrew Goldfarb or or Michael over at GameSpot who has the Persona school tattoos on his arm like he's he, he he's a Persona fan. I am a Persona 5 fan. Um but yeah, I got to review Persona 5 Strikers, and it's a very, 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 very fun game that I'm very nervous everyone, most people listening to this podcast, will not be able to enjoy, basically. Um, Because it's super great, but it is also a direct sequel, story-wise, to Persona 5, a game that is not out on Switch and still has no inklings of being out on Switch. And that's the same goes for people playing it on PC, where there's there's Persona 4, but there's no Persona 5. if you're a Persona 5 fan, if you've played the original, it's a phenomenal game. It's really, really fun. It feels a lot like Persona 5. The combat is 
you know, I, I said this a couple weeks ago. We thought it was going to be like a Muso, like Hyrule Warriors. It's not really like that. It's more like a Kingdom Hearts style action JRPG than it is a Muso game. Um, Which I am excited to hear that. Yeah. And I was actually excited, too, because I like Musos, but I also tend to lose steam with them a little bit sometimes. And this the combat is fairly simple like a muso like it'll be recognizable to omega force fans but like it it is fun enough and engaging enough that it never got bored over the like 40 plus 40 i think it took me 42 hours to hit credits on this um yeah so it's just a very fun game but while it is a relatively standalone story it is also completely a direct sequel and references tons of character moments that happened in the first game and tons of other events that happened in the first game and if you haven't played the first game you'll probably still be able to enjoy this but like you won't have what i had and i think what a lot of other persona 5 fans had playing have playing it which is like i'm so excited to spend time with these characters that i spent 120 hours getting to know and now I have more story with them and it's a really cool story with them. And like that part of it's just going to be gone if you're if you haven't played it before. Would Persona 5 Strikers completely spoil the original Persona 5 story? No, they do a pretty okay. good job about not totally spoiling stuff. Um, they make references to even the, and I won't spoil anything here, but they do make references to the very end of the game. And I think. There will be events in this game that mean a lot more and matter a lot more in the context of having beaten the original. But you could play this. You you could probably treat it as sort of like a Yakuza Zero sort of thing where you play this and then go back and play what happened before and go, oh, now I'm understanding all of these little things. But then again, at the same time, like there's also things like you don't technically know who the part like you don't get a full party in persona 5 until like 80 or 90 hours into the game right and then you're just like starting with a full party in this game and so (laughs) you'll know kind of where a lot of their stories lead and where a lot of that stuff leads ahead of time but the actual like end of the game won't be spoiled a lot of the bigger twists won't be spoiled it'll just be like a lot of character stuff that that gets revealed early to you okay it's Go for it, Rebecca. It sounds, the way you're describing it makes me think of back when, like, way back in the day when Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories came out on the Game Boy Advance. Mm-hmm. And like everybody I knew had played the original Kingdom Hearts on the what, PlayStation, whichever it was. But if you ha- if you only had a Game Boy Advance, you had no idea what was going on. But you yeah. also did because it was walking you through it. But it like, weird. It's weird that, that games keep, that games do that. Do you? Yeah, I, I think you, that's, a good, that's a good counterpoint or that's a good reference. Yeah. Do you feel like like what what's the what's the vibe here on whether or not Persona Five is ever going to make it to the Switch? Dude, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to say like maybe it could because people had so much hope for that, and then it just like never happened, and all of that hope died. And like I feel like if I like water that hope plant, it will right. just like sour people again. Um, I don't think at this rate. I think it is very unlikely. Um, I will at least say that this game, I think is a different engine, but looks exactly like Persona 5 and like by all reports runs pretty decently on switch, right? Like not Mm -hmm. like incredibly, but it's not running bad by any means. Um, so I think technically it could happen. I think more likely the issue is some sort of licensing thing with Sony, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it seems unlikely 
that if they got Persona 4 to go to PC and not Persona 5, and they're getting Persona 5 Strikers to go to PC, but not Persona 5, it seems unlikely that Persona 5 is on the way to me. But I'll also not say never, because, like, you know, these things always change. Who knows? What if we do a trade? What if Nintendo gives Sony, like, Captain Falcon, and we (laughs) we get Persona 5? I mean, it's... I mean, we got Joker and Smash. I know. It's so weird. Put Captain Falcon and Destruction All-Stars and then get Persona 5 on Switch and I'm good. Yeah, that's great. Give Sony or give give Sony a character that Nintendo clearly does not want to use in any context whatsoever (laughs) in exchange for a franchise that's doing very well for them. Yeah. That sounds like a great trade. (laughs) Destruction All-Stars. His like off-foot ability would be like Falcon punch a car. And then he could like call. I'd play that in a heartbeat if they just said, hey, by the way, he's coming to Destruction All-Stars. All right, downloading. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I would. Actually, yeah, I would. And then I could say I, I, no, I couldn't. I would, I was going to say I could play, I could say I've played an F-Zero game, but nah, that's, I don't think it counts. Because then it would have counted with Smash or Nintendo Life. Nintendo Land. Nintendo, Land, yeah. Nintendo life i mean it is a nintendo life we're all living here i have <laughs> um two more questions for you tom yes uh one is it co-op no okay persona 5 strikers is not co-op yeah not that i saw uh I don't, okay. there was no option whatsoever that i saw for co-op so i don't okay and i played it just for, for the record i played it on a place i played the playstation 4 version on playstation 5 so i didn't can't speak to the that stuff on switch specifically but no i don't so if there are any if there are any problems with the uh fidelity of the graphics and uh frame rate and everything we don't know <laughs> but we'll let you know next week actually no persona 5 doesn't come out until the end of the month yeah they they put the review embargo way far away from the release date uh they also just like real quick shout out to atlas and sega they gave us as reviewers a, a long time with the game i played persona this is a fun little stat i played persona 5 strikers for just about as long as i played uh cyberpunk 2077 for my review and i had uh seven times the amount of time to play it in so like (laughs) thank you thank you you, atlas atlas and yes last atlas's oh no Hmm? i i wanted rebecca to finish her thought no no thoughts (laughs) okay continue Sorry, Tom, what score did you give Persona 5 Strikers? Right, I gave it an 8. Uh, I don't mean to Which sound like I didn't like it. I loved this game. I, yeah, I think it's a great, great game. It's definitely a great Persona 5 follow-up. Um, I just caught... I, it's a cautionary thing for this audience that I'm speaking to specifically on, on NVC, where it's like, if you just pick this game up and are like a Musou fan or an action game fan, you'll probably enjoy it. But like, if you haven't played Persona... Like, it, it's still a fun game regardless, but... If you haven't played Persona 5 beforehand, it's going to you're going to be a little lost. Like there will just be things you don't understand and that they don't explain. Well, we will for sure talk more about Persona 5 Strikers when it comes out on when when is it, Tom? February 25th, 25th, 28th, 20. I don't remember. It's it's like so far away. I think it's exactly two weeks from today. Yeah, I'm so not used to like having reviews go up. (laughs) Yeah, like it's throwing me like i don't know so thank you for talking about persona 5 strikers we also have another game that we reviewed this week that is actually coming out 
tomorrow, which is um, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. We couldn't get the reviewer Cam Shea because he's on Australia time. However, Brandon, Brandon is doing the wiki guide again. Our wiki friend. <laughs> again, did you do the original? Yeah, uh, I, but at that time, um, was it twenty? Was it twenty fourteen? I think I had just gotten hired full time, but I think at that point I was doing a lot of the written and uh, images, but we never really did a video guide other than the champions road, which I did myself. Um, so this time I'm doing, going back and doing the video guide for all the 3d world levels plus Bowser's fury and the written guide for that as well. Um, so yeah, I, it's, it's been interesting to come back to this game. And I definitely understand where where Cam's coming from. He gave the game a seven mm-hmm. and said, you know, it doesn't really add a whole lot. And a lot of its ideas are kind of a mishmash. And it's not the perfect single player experience, nor is it the perfect multiplayer experience, which I think has been a curse for all of the multiplayer Mario games with yeah. the new Mario series. Like they're fun, maybe with like two people. You get four and it's just absolute chaos. <laughs> And you just like I at least like that it's it's easy to do the the one up like glitch where you just get a million like one ups in like the second level of the game by jumping a, a shell. So like they throw lives at you, which is nice, but still like if you have four people, you can run out lives really fast. And then that's when the fun ends. Cause you're like, oh no, we all lost our lives. Like here's five more and then trying to die again, but you will. Um and then the you can problem, still the problem yeah, go ahead. Is trying to play multiplayer mario games like this as cooperative games instead of competitive games that if you play it as a with your enemies instead of your friends it's a great (laughs) multiplayer experience i'm still haunted by our uh new super mario brothers live stream that we did (laughs) i love that live stream i want to recreate it can we can we trauma casey (laughs) but it's fun it's the fun kind of trauma i didn't trust tom for weeks after that (laughs) this one one has online right we could recreate yeah that's true um i I haven't tested the online that's what i'll say that personally i didn't get to test the online at all so i don't know how well it works i would say like anything else nintendo or sorry nintendo please use the lan adapter cables because if you use wi-fi it's probably not going to be great with four people you know brendan i'll do what i want that was actually going to be my question because I I was not I was not super interested in this game. Um, I did not play the original, but I, I'm not I'm not much. I I say I'm not interested in 2D Mario, and this is obviously 3D Mario, but not in the same vein as like Sunshine and Odyssey and 64. So I wasn't super interested in it. But the two things that got me are I found out that you can play online with people. And so my partner and I are probably going to try this once it comes out and play in co-op. And I'm really excited to give that a shot. And then just now, watching this footage that's playing in front of us, I saw Big Toad. Um, yeah, you can, there's not a lot of power-ups. Really, but really Big Toad. Like, huge Toad. And so now, now, I am, now I am here. I am here for this game. <laughs> I mean, like, I... I think I would still rate it a bit higher personally. Um, I don't know if it was as good as like, you know, our original review it was a 9.6, I think. Yeah. Like it's, say, yeah. it's still a, a decently great experience. Even if you're playing by yourself, like there's a lot of fun levels, nothing that really like really sticks besides like a couple of like a couple of interesting levels. But for most of them, it's like, okay, here's a fun gimmick. Here's a, here's a double cherry to make some clones. Getting all three stars is, Sometimes a challenge, um, not as challenging as like 
Odyssey's Darker Side or Galaxy's Grandmaster Galaxy, Champion's Road is still, you know, decently challenging. But it's just like it's kind of it's hard with Nintendo because like you have such expectations. So like when they don't hit the 10 out of 10 tier, it's just like, oh, it's just average mm-hmm. for average Nintendo. It's like, oh, it's the worst thing ever. But now it's it's, it's still, still fun. Good. Yeah. yeah, it's still a fun experience. Yeah. And I had I had I enjoyed going back through it. And then as far as um, Bowser's Fury, which is the new alternate mode, it's a fun experiment, but it's not something I would say you have to play this game just for Bowser's Fury. It's kind of like if you haven't played 3D World at all, yeah, definitely get them both because it's a fun thing. But if you've already played 3D World and you're not interested in playing the new version, Bowser's Fury alone probably won't sell, seal the deal for you because it's it's it took me maybe like two, three hours to beat, I think, and maybe another hour to like 100% it. Uh, but it, it feels like... He is a wiki master. Yeah, I try. <laughs> it feels like a an experiment, kind of like a proof of concept for what Nintendo's next thing could be. Because this is a and kind of like Odyssey, it's like an open world concept, and you can actually use the camera controls unlike the rest of 3D World. But it still uses the 3D World mechanics and upgrades and powers. But there are no lives. If you fall in a lava pit or Bowser beats you, you just lose 50 coins and you go right back in. And you can bank up to five of each power-up, and Bowser Jr. is like his little caddy, and he'll toss you uh, whatever power you need uh, mm-hmm. by pressing the button, which is pretty cool. Because like for every little cat-shine challenge, you go, oh, I can really use the Tanuki suit. Give me a Tanuki suit, and here I go. going to go float across this thing. But the cool, I think the coolest part of this is this idea that this is an open world where something is always in the background happening, despite what you're doing. So every like six minutes or so, Bowser will come out of the, the goo and attack you. And the whole world changes. Lava flies everywhere. He'll like do like huge fire blasts. And you have to either escape him for a couple of minutes or find a cat shine to send him back into the deep until you get the, the giant cat gigabells to fight him with. But that's like, so, yeah. Real quick, how much fun is it being... Gigantamax Cat Mario, as I like to call him. Not as fun as I was hoping. It is, it is still it is still a very like Nintendo boss fight where it's like ground pound him three times and he's done. Um there are like a couple of like fun things to do. Like, you know, you can actually use the islands as cover when he starts like going around like on a spike shell. Like I like there's like this little Coliseum island and I jumped in the Coliseum to hide from his laser blasts. And I'm like, oh, this is a pretty cool like, cover mechanic. But like, once you've done it once, you have to do it a couple more times over the course of the game. And it's almost the exact same fight. It's just, okay, it's, it's simplistic in a, in, a, in a sense. But like, it was funny for me going through and, and doing all this stuff for the guide work of getting every single cat shine is that Bowser's appearance would range from fun, challenging experience of, can I get this cat shine while he's attacking me? to okay please leave me alone i just want to get that cat shine just just go away <laughs> stop shooting me i just need this power up let me float over here there's no cover please just give me a minute and i think people will have very different uh experiences against fury bowser because it, it really depends of whether you want that challenge or whether it's just you know a a, a har- like a harassing experience for you mm-hmm. 
It uh, is, like, we... fascinating to me that Nintendo has basically, since the original Mario, the, the big gimmick is make thing bigger, and we're <laughs> still doing that. it, and we still love it. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's cool. Yeah, I'm wondering, like, if this is an experiment for whatever their next Odyssey is going to be, of, like, what if we have, like, you know, these big Odyssey levels where something in the background is happening, regardless of what you're doing, that may impact your gameplay experience. It's like the Blood Moon in Breath cool. of the Wild. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, it kind I of think... is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but the, the, <laughs> one, the one shrine in the game where you had to time it to a Blood Moon was also like the most annoying shrine to unlock in the game. <laughs> That's true. looked at that shrine and were like, what if we made a Mario game out of that? <laughs> oh, no. And I say that having not played Bowser's Fury yet, but like I can I can see where that would get sort of annoying when it like shows up when you don't want it to or doesn't show up when you need it to or whatever. Also, yeah. it's really wonderful that Brad's cat has shown up right <laughs> talking about giant cat Mario. Yeah. This, is, this is perfect. Cat Mario. I, I did like that when when Bowser did. Oh, he's got a bow tie. He's just like Tom. Is Robo a lady though? She is a lady. She's just like Tom. She's a classy lady. <laughs> Oh, I did like when Bowser shows up, like not only does he, does he like fire, you know, blast at you, but like he'll like some of these weird, like little like rocky platforms all over the place. And in some places it actually makes getting to your objective easier. So like they kind of like do a, a push and pull with the difficulty of, yeah, he's attacking you, but there are also new platforms to jump and make it easier than it would have been if you were just doing it during the day or when Bowser's not attacking. Hmm. Well, Thank you so much, Brendan, for sharing your thoughts and experience playing Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. Just to recap, Cam Shea, our reviewer, gave it a 7 out of 10. Go watch or read the full review for his full thoughts on that. But his ending statement, I will tell you, is Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury packs a ton of engaging gameplay, but neither component comes together as eloquently as it might have done. This is a solid option if you're craving more Super Mario for your Switch, but it's not the mustachioed must-play I was hoping for. So. That's uh, all we have about 3D World plus Bowser's Fury right now. What were you going to say, Tom? Just a reminder, a 7 out of 10 means he thinks it's a good game that he likes. <laughs> it's true. Just, just a reminder good. out there. <laughs> it's a good yeah. game. There is no number below 7 in the IGN scale. Just go 7 and then just, that's it. That's <laughs> but this year I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television. Uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN, and I could watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with, like, Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea, and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want 
I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN. It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Anyway, thank you. Let's move on to more Mario news. So this one is a little bit disappointing or not, depending on uh, what you've done in the past. So you can either be angry or be happy about past you, but you probably can't get the new Mario 35th anniversary pin set that uh, my Nintendo Rewards has right now, unless you did the activities for the first one, because for this one, unlike the very few you need to do to unlock the code to maybe get the first one, because as we all know, those sold out immediately, uh, you now need to complete 14 missions plus purchase Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury for a total. Also, I'm not sure if the pins that we're showing on the on screen right now are actually the the new version. Is that the old versions of the pin pins? I think those might be the old ones. I'm not sure. No. I'm not sure either. But we'll we'll figure it out. You can see the link at the uh, My Nintendo Rewards. But anyway, you need to complete 14 missions plus purchase the upcoming Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury for a total of 15 out of 22 missions before you receive a code for the Wave 2 pins. But as of today, completing 14 missions is impossible unless you have already completed at least two missions that are no longer available. Um, this is sad for some people. So basically, if you tried to get the pins, the first set of pins, you are probably fine. But if you did not try to get the first set of pins, you're probably not. So 
just a PSA there. Also, I apologize for our headline. It was just too funny to not use. Thank you, Tom, for the idea. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry, but um, I know I know just specifically the writer of this news article, Matthew Adler, was disappointed because he can't try to get the second pin because he kind of missed the boat on the first ones. So. I Brian also is sick today, so I'm sorry, Brian Altano. I kind of expected him to be on to to talk about this because I know he tried to get the first set. But um, any thoughts? Well, it's just it's hard not to think that this is intentional, right? Like Nintendo, I feel like Nintendo knows better than to realize, like, make a mistake like that. And if they did make a mistake like that, it feels like an easy enough thing to rectify. Yeah, and they're not doing that here. So it feels like basically this is just one of the many sort of like artificially limited sort of exclusivity things that Nintendo loves to do. And it's like kind of a drag <laughs> a little bit. It also, does in real a way. Quick, this, is, this is the right pins. They updated the website to include a new picture. So this is the correct picture if you're watching on a video right now. <laughs> It does in a way, it it doesn't make sense, but it makes like, like I can kind of wrap my brain around it in the sense that you like the, the first set vanished very, very quickly. So this kind of puts a, like a limit gate on this set to make sure they don't sell out as quickly, but it's like the wrong kind of limit, right? Like this is not, you don't want to just limit it to people who only participated in something that happened a while ago, right? Like that, that's sort of the wrong thing to set up and very frustrating your your goal should be to get more people to participate not only let people who have participated in the past show up and it's and it's also odd to do it with a new set of pins yeah right like if 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 you wanted to because you're totally right and it just is like if this was if that was the goal like why didn't they just use the same set of pins and be like hey we're we're limiting this to people who were able to do it the first time so here, the people who didn't get it the first time can now right. have another opportunity. And then also now we're doing this other new set of pins for everybody. Like that would have made more sense to me. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It makes yeah, me yearn for the uh, My Nintendo Awards of yesteryear. Oh and I just gave really cool stuff all the time. But I also, um, I didn't realize the limitation until I was doing all of the missions for our wiki page. And then I had physically done all of the missions I could and I still couldn't redeem it. And I was just like, what Oop. the heck? Am I doing it wrong? And I'm, am I missing something? Like, what have I done? And like, nope, I just physically can't yes. do it. That's but, stinky. That's misleading. <laughs> I don't so, like that. Yeah, PSA, if you don't already have two of the previous expired missions, not including purchasing, um, one, of, one of the missions is to purchase um, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. So that not including that, you had to do also do two other expired missions. So huh. wait, so do you have to that, buy do you have to buy both 3D All-Stars and 3D World Bowser's Fury? If you have done three expired missions, you do not have to purchase Super Mario 3D All-Stars. <laughs> but Nintendo would still like you to purchase. Yes. Yeah. So this pin set costs hundred and twenty dollars. But you do purchase Bowser's Fury, and by the way, one of the expired missions is purchasing uh, ice cream at Coldstones. So, (laughs) I've done that. Did I ever tell you? If you did, if you still have the code for that, it is still redeemable until March. Definitely, but you cannot get new Coldstones card. 
codes. Did I ever tell you when I bought the Mario ice cream at Cold Stone for my birthday? Was it no. good? It was it was my birthday, and I was like, oh, I want. It was like the day that they were like announced, like, hey, we're gonna have Mario at Cold Stone. Like, that's a birthday present for me. They have like birthday cake batter and everything. So I went over, and I'm like, hey, can I get that Mario like 35th anniversary cake batter thing? They're like, okay, um, we don't have the frosting, so we're gonna give you this weird one instead. We also don't have the sprinkles, so we're gonna (laughs) give you some random ones. We also don't have the the cup, so we're gonna give you a different cup. I'm like. So you're just gonna give me a regular ice cream? Like, <laughs> this is not yeah, what I like, paid for. Happy birthday to me! Oh, <laughs> Brandon, was Ma- it Mario ice cream with all the Mario sucked out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't pay for the Mario DLC apparently, so that's what I got. <laughs> oh no. Well, anyway, yeah, we were just talking about how you probably can't get the new Mario 35th anniversary pin set unless you already participated in the previous mario anniversary pin set activities so sorry to be the bearer of bad news but hey now you don't have to go do all of those uh tons of other missions and then be disappointed after the fact like me when i was writing the wiki page but hey if you are one of those people who did at least two of the expired missions there's a wiki page on how to do all the other ones because one of them is you have to find some hidden stickers on a website and i have screenshots about where all those are so go check those out on uh, how to get the 35th anniversary Mario pin set on IGN's wikis. But hey, there's some other Nintendo stuff that you could get right now. Or you Maybe. Can. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so both Burger King and McDonald's are doing Nintendo collaborations right now. And I mean, look at this, guys. So this year is Pokemon's 25th anniversary. And to commemorate the occasion, there are... Pokemon 25th anniversary Happy Meals with this adorable box. And it comes with a pack of limited edition Pokemon cards with 25th anniversary logos on it. There are 50 cards in total to collect. There are the 24 starters plus Pikachu in both holographic and normal. So there's lots of these. But however, they're very hard to get. And this is just an anecdote. But yesterday I called McDonald's and they kind of uh, laughed and said, no, they didn't have any. And the other McDonald's said yes, but then asked me how many I wanted because they were afraid I was going to be one of those people who came in and asked for three or 400 of them. Oh, no. So, no, I only only want one. And they actually had it. They actually had the Pikachu box. Look at the little ears on the box. You have to, like, take it out of the box and then put it on top. It's a very cute box. So, speaking of the uh, Mario ice cream, not the Mario, I went over yesterday, and guess what I got? Um, Absolutely uh, nothing. Oh! (laughs) A Beyblade toy. (laughs) Thanks, McDonald's. That's kind of like Pocket Monsters, right? Like the Beyblades, but... Pokemon and getting Beyblade is like that's like that's like that Nintendo Direct where we asked for Pokemon. And got <laughs> like yeah, I oh, can't no. even the Nintendo Direct on me. I went well. I didn't. I, I went today and I got a Hasbro gaming box, which oh, is my. not the same. But they did. And I was very disappointed when I saw this. I thought, great, I'm not going to get the Pokemon. I wasted my time. But inside was a surprise. Hey. Still got a cheeseburger. Yeah. Rebecca. That has the cards in it? It does. Yes. So this Please is I, I haven't opened unbox this yet. It. Yeah, yes. so it's it's really neat. I did I did open this top thing, it was like sealed, but like so inside mm-hmm. it's really cute. And you can see it on Casey's thing. It comes with um there's this little inside oh sorry cat. 
There's this, uh, there's like a little little puzzle for kids to do inside, but then there's this cute little frame that you can put a card in and you can see. Casey, what card do you have in yeah. your frame? Uh, I got a holographic Rowlet in my pack. Oh, nice. Ooh, yeah, let's see Rowlet. if we can get the yeah. camera to focus on this thing properly. Hello, camera, please. Glare. Goodness, <laughs> I'm sorry. He's very shiny. He's, it's not cooperating. I have my <laughs> ISO up too high. It's not for products. It's for me. So... <laughs> <laughs> But you can kind of see it. It's very cute. Um, but yeah, I got a pack too. There's four cards in the pack, and I haven't opened this yet, so we're gonna see. I'm just gonna sit in the corner and sulk. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Brandon, I'm sorry. Pack for McDonald's. What, Tom? You? Oh, you get four. So but I this... seem to have gotten a shiny sn <gasps> Snivy Snivy. I don't know how people Snivy. say it. I, I only ever say Pokemon names in my head. I never have to pronounce them to other people. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, what is this? A Trico. There we go. Oh man, grass starter. Grass. Oh man, yeah, all the grass. Oh types. wow. Chespin. Uh, we've got Chespin, and oh my gosh, and a relic. Yeah, exactly. Oh, More grass types. So wow. yeah, yeah, grass party. So this scalper problem is not just limited to McDonald's, uh, as it happens. Uh, it's everywhere. I have a, I have a friend who works at a hobby store, and they've said that they've been sold out of their Pokemon cards. And every time they get a shipment in, people just come in and wipe the place out. And a lot of them are doing it, well, not the scalpers, but a lot of people are doing it because they want to unbox them on streams, which someone did the other day, Casey. I, hey, okay, look, I did not purchase this for the stream. I purchased it because I wanted it. <laughs> of course. And then I just happened to have it. And I was, I always stream on Wednesdays. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this instead of play a game. But I think the scalpers <laughs> know about these people who love unboxing streams. So they hoard all the Pokemon cards they can get and then sell it to the streamers and whoever else at a uh, high markup, which, you know, if you're just a Pokemon player and just that's kind of annoying, just like, I just want to play Pokemon cards. Please stop scalping. Well, I promise my friend who is like an actual collector of Pokemon cards is going to benefit and I'm going to give him these. So yeah. they're, they're not going to languish somewhere in a drawer. I'm going to I'm going to decorate my background with this grease stained box for the rest of my life. So, yes, I'm gonna remind the trash where it belongs. Grease stained oh, box with little ears. Yeah, it's adorable and makes it worth it. <laughs> I struggled so hard with that box yesterday, by the way. I was so scared. But so my advice to you, if you want this cute box and the cards, call McDonald's ahead of time. They're generally very nice people. Just be kind. Don't go and buy a million of them. Yeah, um, and they do, assume they're going to give you the right box. And if they are out, you can ask them when they're getting their next shipment. Because I had, again, in my experience, McDonald's told me if I couldn't find one yesterday, they were getting a new truck shipment this morning. So... That's that's my tip to you. Good luck. I'm sorry that there are terrible scalpers selling literally unopened shipment boxes of these things on eBay. I don't know how. It must be an inside job. I'm disappointed in you, <laughs> whoever job. you are. The great Pokemon card paper. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, how are they getting these unopened boxes? Like, what? How? But should, that is not important because we're not going to do it. Let's pitch a What's movie on? called Pitch a movie called Oceans 151. Uh, yes. I, I would I would watch that. Yeah. Please let us know how you're doing. Or this. the or they do a, a, a car heist with a truck that has the Pokemon cards in it and it's called the Fast and the Furret. Yes. <laughs> perfect. I, I, I gave it a shot. It was okay? good. I liked it. I mean, this is perfect to set in the world of De Detective Pikachu. Like that is true. this is it this is. is a sequel in the making. 
Does the so, Detective Pikachu world have Pokemon cards? Oh, surely. I, probably. I think you're probably I right. Like I mean, was. if the world of Harry Potter had wizarding cards, I would assume that. Yeah. yeah okay. The world yeah, that tracks. Pokemon cards. <laughs> that tracks in my nerd brain. I got it. So if you're not that into Pokemon, that's okay because, or if you're not that that into McDonald's, that is also okay because Burger King has Nintendo toys. So you can purchase a King Jr. meal and there are six different toys. There's a Luigi's Mansion Luigi. There's a Splatoon. There's a a Mario Maker, a Animal Crossing, Link's Awakening, and a Mario Kart toy. You get one per meal, but they're also doing something else. You can purchase a Super Mario meal, which comes with a a Whopper fries and a soft drink, I think for $5 once a day. And it gives you 100 My Nintendo Platinum points. And if you're unfamiliar with platinum points, you get those for doing various activities on the My Nintendo site, like all of those, uh, all of those missions for the Mario pins that you can't redeem for Mario pins. But there are other things you can use to purchase them for. And right now, for example, the most expensive item on those rewards site is 800 points. So, you know, you can eat uh, at Burger King once a day for eight days, and then you can buy the most expensive item. And you're also feeding yourself, but also maybe probably don't do that because fast food is bad for you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those toys are cute. <laughs> I haven't heard about people scalping them, but I also did not try to get the Burger King Nintendo toys. Unless we maybe unboxings on streams for those toys. I think we're yeah. safe. Yeah, the unboxing and resale value of, of Nintendo toys is lower than Pokemon cards, I think. That is true. So you're probably much more higher likely chance to get that toy and those points than a poke the Pokemon cards pack. Yeah. But very cool. We're getting a ton of stuff. I wonder what they're going to do with um, Zelda's 35th anniversary, which is also the same week as Pokemon's 25th anniversary. So thanks for that, Nintendo. They're going to fight. <sighs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we were just talking about the stuff you can get in Burger King and McDonald's Happy Meals. Wendy's still has nothing to offer except uh, for spicy clapbacks, but that has nothing to do with Nintendo. So we will move <laughs> on to Switch, the Nintendo Switch Online games for this month. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, if you're watching the video, that is a pretty good representation. Look, I'm sorry, Doomsday Warrior, Psycho Dream, Prehistoric Man, and Fire and Ice. Why? Prehistoric man is a saint. Leave him out of this. Okay. And no one, no one was on Twitter begging for this. No one was holding up signs at events saying re-release prehistoric man. No one was doing this. Prehistoric man is one of those games where when I saw the gameplay of it and I saw that caveman jumping around, like picking up cakes and fruits, I was like, <laughs> oh my god i played this like it was one of those moments for me where i was like i have such distinct memories of playing this game and enjoying it but like it's not one that my brain retained in any way beyond that right i mean i'm gonna be real i've never played any of these four games so this is maybe a bit a bit harsh but all four of these look and sound like the games that i would enjoy watching in the annual gdq awful games block (laughs) like like that's what that's what these sound like i'm sorry to anybody who loves these i'm sure i'm sure they're fine i'm sure they're good but yeah 
uh, yeah. that's the thing, right? Sam in this in in our run of show here. Yeah, I asked I asked Sam Clyborne uh, if he had any thoughts about these games, and he said they are all ultra, ultra obscure trash games. <laughs> the thing to know is that no one wants this. But Fire and Ice is kind of a neat puzzle game. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that one could say that. From Sam Clyborne. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's a... I'm sorry we don't have more to say about these. I learned long ago that with Nintendo Online, they have a huge library, and they're never going to give you exactly what you want, unless it's like a Blue Moon scenario where it's, here's Metroid or Donkey Kong. And they only have so many of those, and they're not going to show their full hand in the first, you know, year, or even, I guess, how, how, how long to at this point, like, they're going to play that Earth the Earthbound card close to their chest until the moment they need it most. And whatever other game you're waiting for, they're holding the cards. They're just like, okay, well, we could give you this. We could give you Home Improvement with Tim Allen, the SNES game, because you've been asking for that one, too. And... <sighs> My takeaway is that this is unfortunately the biggest evidence as to why Nintendo will always be very anti-emulation. Because when someone says, well, what about this obscure game that you don't have? I just want to be able to play it again. And they'll be like, well, it's on Nintendo Online now. So now you can't complain. <laughs> there, and there as long as they have this all in the vault, they will never stop. But so uh, one day we'll get the game you want, but probably not today or tomorrow. I want to know, like, what the numbers are on who who is who is looking at this and saying, this is what I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for Doomsday Warrior to subscribe to Nintendo Online. And now that it is here, I'm going to pay my, what is it, 20 bucks a year or whatever it is to be a part of this service. This is the you moment. Customer. If, this is if for this me. Is, if this is you, let us know Please. in the comments. <laughs> Email us on at nbc at ign.com i would like to hear from you and i'm sorry we're being so negative i know they're they're free games essentially like we're already we're already paying for the service i understand i do think just just to see like oh maybe maybe it is fun like there are definitely hidden gems in the snes library like by far but i i do wonder like what the process is for this like, is there a guy in a room at Nintendo in Japan with a giant dartboard? And he's just like, all right, next up, we got Fire Nice. And yeah, it, it's it is cool. Super Scope 6. <laughs> to, to the optimistic point of view of it, it is cool that Nintendo is still regularly supporting this service, right? With free game yeah. edition. That is very nice. And I don't think anyone will complain about that. But as the months goes on, it does start to feel like one of those I've expected nothing and somehow I'm still disappointed sort of moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. It does make me... and I, Okay, I am not optimistic that we're ever going to get um, Nintendo Online with, like, Game Boy titles or, like, Nintendo 64. Like, I have given up hope for that. But... If we ever get to that point, like if that in itself happens, it makes me optimistic for the fact that they will eventually release like all the weird, obscure things on those actually into, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. I just want Barman 2 <laughs> with uh, <laughs> online multiplayer. Oh, that would be a dream. Oh, I'm just imagining four player Barman on Switch Online. I can dream. Do it. I can dream. You can do it, Nintendo. So we were just talking about the Nintendo Switch online games. Those are uh, Doomsday Warrior, Sucker Dream, Prehistoric Man, and Fire and Ice. They're not available right now, but they will be. 
and I'm sure we will check them out and be able to talk about them next week with our as our first experiences with them. I mean, Fire and Ice does look cute, but Doomsday Warrior was also made because of the popularity of Street Fighter and Famitsu scored the game a 24 out of 40 at the time. And I don't I don't think this is aged better. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see. We'll give it a shot. It's free games. Why not? But uh, let's talk about another new thing that Nintendo just announced, I think overnight or this morning. But Nintendo now has a Nintendo concierge service, which helps you choose what games to pick next. Rebecca, I know that you have a an appointment to do this later today. I do. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a concierge service service. I can't say those two words together. Um, it's it's free. It's they're calling it a pilot program. But basically what it is, is you you sign up, you pick like there's a couple topics you can pick and you get a 30 minute one on one virtual meeting with a Nintendo rep to just like talk to them, I guess, about your switch. Um, and there, there's different topics. So there's, I'm looking at this, there's six topics. There's Nintendo Switch 101, which looks like it's, yeah, it's an overview of the system, you know, how to buy games, how to play games, stuff like that. Uh, games Getting Started, which is another, basically another overview, but more focused on Nintendo Switch games, like, looks like game card versus digital downloads, game genres, and wish lists. There's uh, a 30 minute session on games, what to play next, uh, security and privacy, Nintendo account, and then customization. Uh, all the ways you can customize your Nintendo experience, including customizing your system interface, which is very funny to me because there's like two options. Nope, for the, yeah. Da- <laughs> dark or light, dark or light are your options. 30 minutes for that. Uh, but yeah, and then you you basically, there's a calendar. Uh, you go in and you pick a date and you pick a time and then you, you, you put in some basic information, your name, your email, and you book it. And then they send you an email follow up. And I have an appointment actually right after we record this. So I don't know what it's cool. like. I specifically went with the recommend me some games around. I, I'm doing this for curiosity's sake, but I'm, I'm trying to do it in like a very sincere fashion because I am at a point where like I'm playing Animal Crossing and Ring Fit regularly, but I'm waiting for Bradley Default 2 to come out. So I'm not actually playing anything new. And I'm going to I'm going to go through this and like tell them like what I'm into and see if they have like see what kinds of recommendations they have. I'm very yeah, I'm very curious as to if they're going to leave really hard on like first party or if we could get into like like re- real nitty gritty like third, third party titles fire and ice i hear it's a great right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god well, yeah if you have um, the nintendo switch online service there are all these wonderful games no that kidding. you can play and this um, is free right this is free yeah. it seems it seems genuinely really cool though because like looking mm-hmm. Looking at the like this Nintendo Switch 101 and like games getting started, I Nintendo has tried so hard to be like very family friendly and hey parents, here's how you can interact with your kids and play games. And I could see I don't have kids, but if I did and didn't understand what a video game was, I could see myself like being made aware of the service and being like, yeah, I would like to talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about and be like, okay, how do I like monitor purchases? Like what what are like what games are there? What should I be having my kid play? Like that seems potentially very useful to people. You know, the one of the most common questions asked in our NBC podcast forums is what should I play next? Here's mm. what I've been playing. What do I do now? So it, it makes sense to have that. And it's also interesting because that is I used to work at GameStop and that was one of the most common questions as well. People would come in and say, this is what I like. Would you have a recommendation for me? And I mean, obviously, within the past year and a half, you can't and it's just increasingly become less popular to go to a, a brick and mortar game store as well. So those conversations aren't really happening anymore. Yeah. So it's very it's cool that they are offering a way for that to happen. Absolutely. And and also with how many dang 
systems they're selling, right? <laughs> like this is this is less relevant to slightly less less relevant to especially the setup stuff to anybody of us and probably a lot of people listening to this podcast of like, you know, who are savvy with the system already. But like, there's probably a pretty big audience of people out there who like saw Animal Crossing, bought it, have never yeah. really owned a system before and could probably get some use out of this, right? Like, Absolutely. So it's it's cool that they're doing it. It's cool that they're doing it for free, even if it's not necessarily directly relevant to me, but I'm interested to see or to hear how it goes for you, Rev. Yeah. I'm very interested to see how this works on a level beyond just like basic, okay, you you like Animal Crossing, here's... I don't know, Harvest Moon or Stardew Valley, like, like, like right. very obvious things. Like I'm, in, I'm, I'm interested to see how like deep we can get. You like Mario. Here's another Mario. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Well, I'm excited to hear about your experience um, on the show next week, but yeah, we were just talking about the Nintendo concierge service. You can check that out yourself. I'm sure we have an article up about it on IGN.com telling you how to book your own Nintendo concierge service appointment. But now we're going to talk about games out this week. We already talked about Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, but Little Nightmares 2 is also out this week. And it also, like Bowser's Fury, got a 7 out of 10, which is good. Tom. Yeah, you, uh... I so this isn't a game I've personally played yet. Um, I I honestly I missed the first one as well, but I Same. wanted to make sure we shouted this one out because I know Brian is a really big fan of this series. I think Zach <laughs> also yeah. Like there's a lot of people on staff who are really really cool. big fans, and um, it's a very creepy, dark sort of inside style platformer, but yeah, actually more explicitly horror bent. Brendan, you've been playing it. Yeah, just a little bit. Like I played the, I did the preview last year. Uh, I think it was during our Gamescom thing. And yes. then I did the demo and then I started playing it um, last night. And it's like, it's the perfect dread. It's not like a horror game. It's more of like a just unsettling game. Right. Like there are, there are moments of like, you're being chased by this creepy long neck person or a, a demented Elmer Fudd with a shotgun. Like, yeah, those are genuinely horrifying. But a lot of it is just going through these really ambient, spooky environments and seeing that just this absolutely weird stuff in this world. And that was also the same for Little Nightmares 1, but you were on a ship um, and you were trying to like escape the ship and there was just like, you know, these really corpulent cooks trying to eat you and like creepy stuff like that. And this is more of like more of the same, but now you have two characters to use to do kind of a puzzle solving with both of them. And it never really reaches like the heights of like insides puzzle solving and how you can manipulate the environment there. Like that, I, from what I've seen so far, it's a lot like the first game where it's like, you know, a very basic puzzle stuff where you got to find a key that's nearby, but you have to like escape or hide from someone and then unlock the door to get out of there and you get the next area. Um, but it's still like, it's very fun. Like from what I've played so far and from the previous game, like if you want, and it's just going to like really unsettle you and like have you thinking about it after you play like oh my god like it's it's a pretty spooky fun game and i know that you see if you're watching the video there are two players on but it is not co-op it's single player only. no it's oh, wow. kind of like a you call the other person to help you with something or you tell them to stay but they're pretty good like when the the area i played where the hunter was chasing you like i didn't have to worry about the other character getting shot like they were always able to like dodge so it was more on the character i was playing with the back in their head is the one that you play as and okay. you don't have to like escort them like they're That's pretty good on their own at least from the area i was in and not having to worry about 
their well-being. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing your experience with Little Nightmares 2, which is out this week at a 7 out of 10 on IGN.com. But Tom, you also pointed out Undermine out on the 11th for $20. Can you tell us a little bit about this one? Yeah, this is a roguelike that has been out on Steam for a little while that I'm a big fan of. Um, I put this as a note as kind of an easy way to summarize it. It's similar to like if Binding of Isaac wasn't like terrifying and horrible. Um, (laughs) And I say that as a huge Binding of Isaac fan, but it's basically a little more straight fantasy where you're like in a mine exploring catacombs and stuff, fighting enemies, unlocking semi-light persistent things where like you unlock new weapons you can find or little permanent upgrades here and there to get farther and farther it's a very classic style of top-down action roguelike but it's just a really fun game it's not anything like mind-blowingly you know innovative or anything like that but not every game has to be it's just if you're into roguelikes it's a very very fun action roguelike undermine it's a good one Thank you for telling us about that. That is out on the 11th for $20. We just talked about games out this week, which also included Little Nightmares 2. And I'm sure I don't have to remind you, but Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury is also out this week. Who would have thought? But now let's talk about games that we are playing. And Reb, I want to start with you. What games are you playing this week? Oh, well, I mean, I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I'm I'm sort of in a holding pattern waiting for Bravely Default 2 to come out. Um, I do play a little, well, I'm trying to, I'm struggling because exercise is hard, but I, I did beat Ring Fit, like I rolled the Whoa. credits. I rolled the credits on Ring Fit like a couple weeks ago. And so I, I'm trying to jump back in and play like, because it, it, it goes on, like it, it's an infinite, you can just play it infinitely, but I'm trying to play like 20, 30 minutes a day um, to do exercise because I can't go anywhere, exercise or anything. Um, a game rules that game. Yeah. I that game didn't make game of the year list because no one beat it because it's exercising. <laughs> that game is really good. Like I was I was crying like the ending had me just like crying because you like th- th- it's exercise and you did it. And it's so encouraging. It's just uh, I, it's really good. I I could uh, have a whole thing about that game. Um, and I'm playing Animal Crossing. I've put like over 500 hours in that <sighs> game and I'm still playing that every single day. Um, it's absolutely amazing. And as I saw on Twitter today, I haven't played Animal Crossing yet today, but somebody posted a screenshot today. Uh, the game is starting to turn to spring again. Uh, oh. it, there's still snow on the ground, but if you have weeds in your town, they are like, if it, like the winter, if you have weeds in your town and the, cause they change with the seasons, like there's the winter weeds. They're just kind of like, like, I don't know how to describe the color. It's like a crispy green. Like it's, it's <laughs> dusty. Um, but they, they are blooming. They are, the weeds are blooming, which indicates that spring is on the way. And I, Oh my gosh! My I when the town when my town was last in spring, it was there was not, like it's a deserted island. There was nothing there, and I'm really excited to see everything like green and grown up around all the furniture and stuff that I've placed. Um, yeah, so those are the two main ones. I'm playing a little bit of this game called Carto, um, which is this. I don't know if you've talked about it on here before, but it's this. Free free, but yeah, yeah, this this little indie title uh, where you uh, you you basically make it's a top down exploration game where you control this map these map tiles and huh. where you place them is where they appear in the world so you start out in kind of like a square tile or oh, whatever like and you can move around yeah All right. yeah um and then <laughs> you open up your map and you have like some loose tiles and then you place you know if you're in like a plane and you place like the planes next to it then you can walk in there then the plane is there or you can put like forests but they have to match up with each other so you can't just have a river like going into a dead end you have to connect them and there's all these puzzles that are based on designing the environment that 
way. So there's a character early on who's like, oh, you need to go see this this guy. He lives in the middle of the big forest. And there's not a big forest, but you have a bunch of tiles that have a little bit of forest on them. And so you have to put the tiles together to make a big forest. And then the house appears in the middle of them. And that's how you do it. And there's there's all sorts of puzzles like that. It's very clever. Um, it's pretty short. I think it's only a few hours long. I'm almost done with it, but it's it's really sweet. Cool. That was like she was just talking about Carto and also mentioned Ring Fit and Animal Crossing. Brendan, I know you've already talked about Bowser's Fury and Little Nightmares 2, but you're also playing Blue Fire, which we haven't really talked a ton about yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you did the wiki I, guide for it. I uh, reviewed it last week and I'm not doing the wiki guide, actually. You're not doing the wiki guide. You're just helping with it. OK. Or, yeah, I'm giving them pointers because I, I did go back and 100 percent the game after I finished reviewing it and beat the main story. But I was going to go. Uh, the achievements were disabled on Steam when I played it, so I was going to go back oh. and get all of them. And I tried out the uh, the brutal difficulty, which you unlock after you beat the story. And I did not realize because it doesn't mention this anywhere. But I think it's a permadeath mode because when I, they, the enemy's going to kill you one hit in this mm. mode. And when they did, I went back to the start. I'm like, well, that's weird. I, I saw it said game saved. I could have sworn that it would have saved my progress, but apparently it didn't. Oh, well, I'll keep going. And then happened again, like, hey, this is a permadeath mode. Oh, no. Uh, I, w- I wish someone had told me this. So Rough. that was unfortunate. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to take a break, I think, because I believe that there was a like a, a day one or day zero patch that came out that fixed a few things, but also introduced a lot of crashing to desktop, oh. uh, mostly when you're moving from one zone to the next. And that was something that I never really experienced when I was reviewing it. There was a couple of times when I was warping from an area that it happened, but it was really rare. But this seems to happen to a lot more people, both on PC and Switch. And luckily, the developers said on Twitter that they're working on a patch as fast as they can to fix all that. So once that's out of the way, I'm definitely going to go back and try that brutal difficulty again, because I am interested in playing it again. It's been really fun. It's like a 3D Hollow Knight with a little bit of Zelda mixed in. There's some fun mini dungeons. The platforming is really great. Uh, honestly, all the uh, the wall running and wall jumping kind of left me thinking when I was playing Mario, I'm like, wow, I wish Mario could wall run. This would be so much more fun. <laughs> if I had the parkour abilities that Blue Fire did. Um, it's just like there's just lots of really cool challenge rooms in Blue Fire to really test like how quickly and precisely you can zip to an area, dodge moving buzzsaw blades and like wall jump up like to a rooftop and get to an area and i just wish that they had a little more of their little dungeons that they had because when the game starts out it's like hey go save these gods in their temples and you'll earn a little like parkour ability as you go through the temple they have locked doors and chests just like a zelda game and then the boss fight the end and after two of them they're like okay that's done go fight three more bosses and then go for the final boss i'm just like wait what about the dungeons i like i like those but still very enjoyable. A little, little backtracking in the end, but uh, once they patch this, you know, crashing bug, I would definitely recommend you go play it. What did you, what score did you give it? Gave it an eight, because great. Cool. <laughs> Blue Fire is eight for great. Thank you, Brendan, for talking about Blue Fire. And Tom, what are you playing, or or more so, what, what do you have now? Oh, well, first of all, I wanted to say I started Blue Fire Um, and it, uh, I, I was really, really enjoying it, but I had those crashes that, that Brendan was Mm -hmm. mentioning. So I put it on ice for a little bit because I wanted to wait till it gets patched. 
And then I was craving a Hollow Knight-like game so bad that I just restarted Hollow Knight for the fourth time. Um, As one does. Yeah. As only Tom does. Uh, um, I'm probably like a third of the way halfway through that game at this point. I've been playing like a weirdly a lot of it. God, I love that game. Oh, it's so good. Much. Is it weird though it's that so you're playing good. a lot of it? Is it no. weird? It's like the. Wait, are you playing it on Switch or PC? I am playing it on PS5. Oh. Mm. Did you get all the uh, the achievos uh, and trophies for that game? Uh, I don't remember because I, I I hundred percented it when it was first out, and then I never really really went back for any of the DLC stuff in like earnest, I guess is the way to put it. Like I've tried it, but I was usually so rusty that I would want to start over. Yes. And then I would start over, but then I would be rusty and like, I'd kind of drift off into other things. And like, now I'm like actually playing it, playing it again from scratch. And like, I just unlocked like the Grim Troops stuff. I love that uh, DLC. Mm. It's great. Yeah. And I've played, I've, I've put like, I've played a little bit of that. Right. But I was so bad at the game at that point. Cause it was like coming back to an old save file. Yeah. It was like hard to get back into it. Now I feel like I'm I'm fresh. I got legs again. Um, I, think I, I think I was at 110% out of 112 total because I couldn't beat the last DLC, which is just a boss rush mode. Yeah, like, the last DLC I hear is insane. I like to think I'm good at games, but I just could not get the patterns down and not get any damage. Hard. That yeah. is so hard at times. That's that... one thing that Blue Fire doesn't really reach the heights of, which mm. you may be thankful for. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, was, I was like, okay, it's it's challenging, but not like... These are literally going to make you scream in frustration, challenging. Yeah, that is precisely where I landed at with Hollow Knight. I actually haven't beaten it. I got, I did like everything in the main game, like without the DLC. And I got up to the final boss and I don't remember what it was. I think I had like a press trip or something where I was gone for like two weeks. And when I came back, I was just rusty from having not played for several weeks and I couldn't beat him. And so I thought, well, whatever, I'll come back to it later. And then DLC came out and then I tried to go do the DLC, but the DLC was mostly boss fights and I couldn't do any of the boss. And I just, I never did anything more. And I just want Silk Song. I simply want yeah. Silk Song. That is all yeah, I want in my heart. Say, I, I'm with you. <laughs> well, what Casey was alluding to, which I'll pull out right now, is uh, I turned uh, I turned 30 on Monday. Which oh, happy, birthday. happy birthday! Which I'm having an existential crisis over. You know, me too. As we all do. Who yeah. are great and amazing. Uh, bought me uh, an NES. What? Wow. Um, so I've never owned an NES. It's the only Nintendo console that I've ever not had or never had. And so for my 30th birthday to keep me grounded in my childhood, they bought me a like nice refurbished NES with, um, they're over there, but the first three Mario games also like good quality. My dad, my dad was telling me he like did research on like making sure that he was getting copies that were like the original pins rather than like like they were like were cleaned pins rather than replaced pins because the replaced pins sometimes don't work as well. And so he like did like really good research on that, and he got me two controllers and an NES. And I'm like, it's very silly. And I haven't I haven't been able to get working on my HDTV yet, but uh, I'm gonna do some fiddling this weekend and uh, make it happen and play. My very first ever NES at 30 years old in 2020. And your parents got you this? Yeah, that's so nice. My parents made me sell mine for 20 bucks at a garage sale. I never forgave them for that. No. (laughs) I use this as a guilt trip. Um, But Tom, if you want something to play, I have this 
teenage turtles. <laughs> I think Sam gave it to me. That yeah, game or, slaps. That or, game is so good. <laughs> it is great. We can we can trade. We can lend games once we're back in an office. Make it happen. Yeah. Or we can just all subscribe to Nintendo Online. <laughs> You should call Tom. You should call the concierge and say, "I have an NES. What game should I?" Play? <laughs> oh my God, do it! No, seriously, yeah. do it. And then tell us what oh my gosh, I really want to know. But, um, thank you yeah. for talking about um Hollow Knight and the NES. I hope you didn't hear my stomach make that super loud noise, and I apologize if you did. And um, <laughs> and Blue Fire. But I have also been playing game. And that game, game is um, <laughs> Monster Sanctuary. Still, cool. I, I'm, I really love this game a lot. It's so good. Um, it does. I, I know I've been talking about it for weeks, but I won't get into it more. But I discovered a tree that lets you pre- lets you present your monster with an object that evolves the monster. So, um, that's cool. But yeah, just a short recap. It's kind of Metroidvania ish, but not. It's not action and not a whole lot of platforming, but it is a really awesome monster collecting RPG where you have to collect different monsters and tools around the map to unlock new areas of the map. And there's hidden treasure and a whole bunch of stuff. And there's a cool story and NPCs. And I've been having a lot of fun. Look at those skill trees. Look at them. I love it. Look at that skill tree. Um, So, yeah, I'm just having a good time with it. I just I say this not to embarrass Casey in any way, but Casey and I like met like met and properly had a conversation for the first time yesterday because I'm new. And um, after we exchanged like the usual pleasantries, Casey spent a good chunk of that meeting pitching me on Monster Sanctuary. <laughs> <laughs> she did a good job, though. It lo- it's right up my alley. I'm, I, I wish listed it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Monster Sanctuary, man. It's a it's a it's a good game. I like it. But we were just talking about the games we were playing, which includes Carto, Ring Fit, Animal Crossing, Hollow Knight, Blue Fire, Bowser's Fury, Little Nightmares 2, and the NES and Monster Sanctuary. <laughs> but now it is time for Question Block, in which we answer your questions. You are being the people listening and or watching right now who write into us. But I did want to start off this question block with a a not question, more of a request, but it was an awesome request. So I wanted to put this out there. This is from uh, Sam Davern. And he says, I'm a final year psychology student in University College Cork, Ireland. and I'm doing my final year project on the psychology of Animal Crossing New Horizons players. I'm collecting data using a survey at animalcrossingsurvey.com. I was wondering if it would be possible to give it a mention on NBC. So here's the mention, animalcrossingsurvey.com. The survey takes 10 to 15 minutes to do. And the way, what they're doing with it, basically, he says, I'm using the Nook Miles data as a way of measuring how people play slash use the game and then seeing if there's any relationship between that data and the player's personality and player type. There's been studies like this on first-person shooters and MMORPG games, but none on games like Animal Crossing. If I can get enough participants, it's likely that I will be able to publish the paper in a psychology journal. So if you would like to participate in the AnimalCrossingSurvey.com survey, uh, you need to be over the age of 18, played at least 10 hours of Animal Crossing New Horizons, and at the end of the survey, you'll be able to view your personality and player type scores, as well as take part in a giveaway to win a Switch game of your choice. So check that out on AnimalCrossingSurvey.com if you have played Animal Crossing New Horizons for more than 10 minutes and are willing to part with some of your data to be a part of this. 10 hours. That's it. But uh, yeah, very cool. Um, looking forward to the results of that 
Uh, thank you for submitting that, uh, Sam. So now onto our first actual question. This is from James Gold. So uh, Asia Numa calls you on your phone and says, help, we at Nintendo have a split vote and only Casey DeFridis and the NVC crew can determine our direction forward. Should Breath of the Wild 2 have weapon durability or not? This is yes. a spicy question. Yes. Yes. Ooh. Look, you brought me on. I can't believe you all brought me on this podcast and put this question in here. Yes, it absolutely should. I, I Breath of the Wild is one of my favorite games in the entire world. Like my my favorite game differs depending on what day you ask me, but Breath of the Wild is often the one. Weapon dur- durability is so critical to how you explore that world and play that game and interact with items and the environment and choose to approach situations. I do not want an inventory of weapons that never break because then I'm just going to use the big fire sword over and over and never be inventive at all. I love the system. Don't know. I I think I would cave a little bit on having a few more in-game systems like the Master Sword for certain weapons, specifically like the ones that the champions gave you where it like it'll like have to recharge for a while so you can actually keep like very specific ones, but not for most weapons, only in critical circumstances. Everybody who thinks weapon durability needs to go did not understand Breath of the Wild. Those no one's gonna want. No one's gonna want me to come back on this podcast ever. Again. I don't know. Like, I'm sure some people agree with you. <laughs> no, I'm kind of on the fence with that because I do think that um, it got a little tedious at times, but it was the best way for you to experience new weapons and constantly change your tactics up. But it also made me never want to use the champion's weapons because they broke, and I kind of wish that I know there was a way to like, oh, we can make a new one if you give me a basic spear and like a bunch of gold or pearls or whatever it was um diamonds and then i wish there was a way to like get a repair service maybe make it you know expensive or whatever but if there was a way to repair certain weapons that would kind of ease my feelings about durability like yeah i want i don't need to repair a twig from breaking every five seconds i get that that's fine but if i get this really cool royal broadsword I would love to be able to repair it at some point if I just go make a trip back to like a castle town and spend resources that I've been collecting to repair it. Or if it's like rare stuff, I think that'd be a nice in the middle, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't disagree with Reb because I think that the point you made is spot on where it's like, I'd be 100% okay with them getting rid of weapon durability if they also completely rework how weapons are found and earned and collected in that game or in the sequel, right? Like, I think that you can't just get rid of weapon durability and use the same system for exactly the same reason you were saying, which is then suddenly it becomes progression rather than discovery. And so, like, once you find a strong weapon, why would you ever go back to other weapons and like then your inventory doesn't matter and then it's just like there's a lot of cascading effects to taking away weapon durability that if they addressed all those other things and sure there's a world where not having weapon durability would work fine but yeah i'd much rather have that world with weapon durability and that sort of discoverability and then also have what brendan is saying which is like some more ways to then interact with that because I agree. I think it was pretty lame that basically I, everyone I know at least like would get the champions weapons and then just like put them in the f- a frame in their house and never use yeah. them. Yep. Right. Like that was a bummer. Yeah. yeah. 
I think for like special weapons and then also for like I think at the end game too, because at the point where at the point where I have done most everything in the game and I'm just like picking off like the last few shrines or whatever, at that point if there's a place I can go to either pay rupees or do something to reobtain specific weapons that I've had before, um, that's only available like in the very late game. I I think that would be okay too because at that point it's less a matter of discovery and more a matter of well I can just backtrack to this one very obscure place to find this thing if I really want it but why would I take that time but yeah like I I don't know I don't know what other possible weapon system would make sense with the kind of world that Breath of the Wild has if they're going for the same idea right because it's just the the whole idea of looking around and be like okay what can I find I've got these guys I got to get past what's available to me is uh it's such an, it's such a critical part of the puzzle I love that game so much. Thank you so much for those poignant discussions. But unfortunately, that is all we have left for this week. Rebecca, Brendan, and Tom, thank you so much for being on. To submit your own questions to NBC, you can always write to us at NBC at IGN.com or respond to us at our weekly question blog post on the Nintendo Voice Chat podcast forums on Facebook. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. And remember, NBC is the only place you can. Get the thing. The Pikachu box. <laughs> Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out the Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Join co-hosts Will and Brian as they break down the lore of a rich multiverse 50 years in the making in a lighthearted and beginner-friendly way. They cover everything from character creation options to tips for Dungeon Masters. There's something for everyone, no matter how long you've been playing TTRPGs. Get inspired while learning all about the unique planes of existence. Get the in-depth knowledge you need to help your combat encounters feel impactful, or learn about the origins and pantheons of every race and class the game offers. No stone is left unturned as every edition of the game is explored and explained in a way that benefits players of all different levels of experience. You can expand your TTRPG horizons in a way that's as entertaining as it is educational just by listening. All you have to do is go to your favorite podcast app or YouTube and search for The Dungeon Cast.